Thank you, Han Shen, for uh, reading God's Word for us. The sermon title for today is The New Norm. Since the start of the pandemic, we are all aware that a new norm is taking place around us. Traffic is lighter, the sky is bluer, malls emptier, and we preach to you from an empty hall. But the new norm isn't happening only to our surroundings. The new norm is also taking shape in us, beginning with what we wear. Working from home, shorts are now in fashion. And whenever we step out of the house, masks. A new norm is also seen in how we conduct ourselves. So CNA posted a write-up on how to meet people on both online and physical meetings. It gave tips like, Try not to keep your video switched off as it invites suspicions. And when you meet people for a meal, bring your own hand sanitizer and use it discreetly under the table out of courtesy. That's one of the new norms in how we conduct ourselves. And finally, a new norm takes over our outputs. Clocking hours at work is out. What you produce is now what matters. What we wear, how we conduct ourselves, and what we produce draw heavily from the new norm. Likewise, there is a new norm that is taking place in the one who's been raised with Christ, in one who has died with Christ, in one whose life is hidden with Christ, as we've learned from last week's sermon. And then that new norm will now dictate what do you put on, what do you put up, and what do you put out. In other words, the new norm lays down what you wear, how you conduct yourself, and what you do from henceforth. The Apostle Paul says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Paul uses clothing language with the words put on perhaps drawing a prisoner illustration. Once a prisoner is set free, he is to take off his prison clothes and put on new clothes. For there has been a change of identity. He is no longer a prisoner, but now a free man. When you and I came to faith in Jesus, a change of identity took place. Formerly, we were enemies of God, objects of His wrath, deserving of His anger. But now we are called God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And this incredible change of status is the same status describing Israel in the Old Testament. Moses told Israel, You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you. Just like the nation Israel, our coming to faith in Jesus, thereby becoming chosen, holy, and beloved, is never merited. Certainly it isn't because we were lovable, useful, or worthy of Him. It is never because of us, but it is because of Him. Now, we've all heard of the uh, classic breakup line, it is not you, it's me. It's not because of you, it's because of me. 
Well, that line, however lame it sounds, should be God's line. Not his breakup line, though, but his makeup line. It is because of God, his mercy, his love that he reconciles us to himself through Jesus. It is because of him, never because of us. Never us because of our rebellion, our disobedience, our sin. And when God chooses and calls us, he sets us apart for himself. And that's the word holy. And he makes us recipients of his undeserved love. Chosen, holy, beloved. Now having known what makes us chosen, holy, beloved, our new identity in Christ calls for us to put on new clothes, to adopt a new wear for the new norm. Put on then compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, why these virtues? Two reasons. Firstly, they are virtues descriptive of the Lord. Compassionate heart, that's the Lord. Consider, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. And then, kindness and patience. That's also the Lord. God's kindness and patience explains why the proud, why those who resist God are still able to breathe God's air and benefit from the goodness of God each day. Romans tells us it's because of God's goodness, His kindness, tolerance, and patience, His long-suffering, that the proud are spared for now and that they ought not to scorn the Lord's kindness and patience because God's kindness leads one toward repentance. And humility? All that is displayed too in the Lord Jesus' life. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus took the form of a servant, made himself nothing, though he is in very nature God. That is humility. Now, humility goes side by side with gentleness or meekness. Jesus is a gentle king who comes riding on a donkey, and he tells his hearers, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why must we put on the virtues of compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience? Because the Lord exudes those qualities. The Lord who chose us and loves us He is compassionate, kind, humble, meek, and patient. And if the false teachers in Colossae undervalue Jesus, the Apostle Paul magnifies the supremacy of Jesus. Secondly, the virtues listed for us are the flip side of the vices that accounts for our former identity. What are the vices of the former me and you? It's anger. Rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. Those are apt descriptions of what we used to be. 
Paul says, "You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things." See, our new norm tells us what we put on. We now have a new wear. They are compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, for easy remembering, think of CK or H&M and P. Now, like clothes in our wardrobe, how do you wear all of them? I do not know about you, but I find myself wearing the same few shirts again and again, and leaving other shirts musty. So I remember when I was in school, I've one or two uniforms that I wear more often than the rest, and because the cut is perfect, because the pockets are cleaner, my mother always would always tell me, "Wear the other uniforms," so she wouldn't have to keep up with the laundry. How can we practically put on the virtues listed for us? Well, the next verse is key. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. This verse is key to how you and I put on the new wear. And the key words are the participial phrases in verse 13. Now, do not let grammar scare you. The words "bearing," "forgiving," they're participles, present participles. They denote action that is ongoing, and the ongoing action of bearing and forgiving are used to describe the new you and I, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That when we bear with one another and forgive each other, we are exercising compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We are putting on CK, H&M, and P. So this means that the new norm calls for us to put up with one another, bearing with and forgiving one another. So why put up with one another? Because the new you and I are still work in progress. While we await the coming of Jesus, while we await the resurrection, while we await perfection, you and I will will hurt one another. You and I will get into each other's nerves. You and I will test test each other's patience. We will defend the self. Never the other. We will value our opinions and call them fact, while we say to the other, "You are entitled to your opinion, but your opinion is wrong." We will hurt one another while in this fallen world. Hence, the calling to bear with one another, to put up with one another. Now, as a as a pastor, I am called to preach the word, to correct, rebuke. And encourage with great patience. Second Timothy chapter four verse two. Now, why patience? Because many times hearers will only hear, but they have yet to arrive at the season of listening. And when you give them counsel they don't like, they wouldn't say, 
thank you for your time, pastor. They would fork you. They would unfriend you. And this is not uncommon even in the new you and I because we are all work in progress, waiting for Jesus' coming. Hence the exhortation to put up with one another. The Apostle Paul continues, If one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. See, the word if is not introducing a hypothetical situation or a supposition. The word if rather introduces a condition, meaning whenever or every time. Example, if it rains, my wall gets damp. Meaning, every time the rain pours, water seeps through the wall. It's not hypothetical. It's a condition that is expected. Whenever, every single time, the very moment, if there's a complaint against one another, you are to forgive each other. Why if? Because again, this is the new you and I awaiting perfection. So do not be surprised when we complain against one another. Do not be shocked whenever the self gets the better of, say, the husband or the wife. This all happens in this side of heaven. That is why the exhortation we give to the newlyweds on their wedding day is always forgive each other. Forgive each other. Now, it certainly doesn't sound very appropriate on such an occasion. It's like the car dealer telling you on the day you collect your new car, remember to send it in for repair whenever trouble comes up. Uh, it makes you want to cancel the purchase, doesn't it? But that's expected in a fallen world that awaits Jesus. Things will break down. Relationships will experience friction. But the new you and I are to put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience by putting up with one another. Paul gives the reason why we put up with one another. He says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It makes us recall the parable our Lord Jesus told on forgiveness. Remember that parable? Why did the king forgive his servant who racked up a, a thousand talents in debt? Now, if my calculation is correct, it is equivalent to $400 million today. Now, was it because of compounding interests? I don't know. But the king forgave the servant's debt. The king canceled his debt because he had mercy on the servant. And so it is expected of the one whose huge debts are canceled to cancel a far smaller debt owed to him. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. What's the reason? Not because the offender has owned up to his wrong. Not because the one who hurt you has turned over a new leaf. Not because he's paid back or completed his sentence. But you must forgive 
Because the Lord canceled your debts. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. It's never easy unless we look to the Lord who's forgiven us. And above all these, Paul says, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It's like saying once you've put on the new wear, layer love over, over it on the outside. Wear the parka of love. And why love? Perhaps it's because love is the supreme virtue. Or if you still can't remember C, K, H, and M, and P, just wear love and the rest will come with it. The rest will fall into place. For love binds everything together harmoniously. It brings together the chosen ones, the holy, the beloveds in unity. Somebody sent me a quote recently. And the quote says, when a man is wrong and says sorry, he is an honest man. When he is not sure but says sorry, he is a humble man. When he is right and still says sorry, he is a husband. Now, husbands may laugh at that, but seriously, it is to say that in marriage, love is patient and bears all things for both husband and wife. Love binds them together. And so it is with the body of Christ, the church. Now, a love song in the 80s puts it, if the love fits, wear it. If it feels good, put it on. To redeem that song, Colossians 3 says, love binds everything perfectly. It is good. Put it on. The new norm is to put on, on top of everything, love. By always putting up with one another. And lastly, the new norm to one who is chosen, holy, and beloved is to put out whatever one does in the name of the Lord Jesus. This entails letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. When Paul speaks of the peace of Christ here, he refers to the reconciliatory work of Christ on the cross. How the death of Christ brought about peace between God and us, his beloved. The peace of Christ changed our status from aliens and enemies to now God's holy and beloved. Now, when we let this peace of Christ rule in our hearts, we let the amity brought about by Christ be the deciding factor in all our undertakings. Because the word rule means acting as the umpire, the referee who makes the calls. If the peace of Christ is to be the umpire, the peace of Christ is to be the last say. In all our decisions, we will always ask, which action exhibits the peace of Christ? What decision promotes the reconciliation Christ brought about? 
How can the peace of Christ be furthered in our venture? For we now have the ambassadorial role of promoting, advancing, and living out the peace of Christ. And we don't need an embassy for our mission. And how is the peace of Christ promoted? Now, I suggest to you that the remaining exhortations until verse 17 prepare the heart to embrace and promote peace. Firstly, be thankful. Now, three times, Paul reiterates the importance of thanksgiving as a new output. We give thanks. We express thankfulness. And when we put out thanksgiving, we end up whining less. When we fill our hearts with thanks, we leave less room for complaints, less room for covetousness, envy, idolatry. So when there's temptation to compare in the body, why does he get that and I don't? Turn comparison into thanksgiving. Thanking God for what he has blessed you and for what he has withheld from you. Then the peace of Christ is promoted in the body. Now, how else do we prepare the heart to promote and embrace peace? Paul continues, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, we all know the power of music. That is why athletes listen to music just before the swimmer plunges in for the dive or runners just before they take their place at the starting line. Well, the new you and I have a new playlist to power us up. It's psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Lumped together, it's music that sings of God and His Word. And we are exhorted to teach and admonish and to sing God's Word to one another. Now, in the midst of the pandemic, when we have singing constraints, do you know that we can still sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to, to one another? Yes, one way is by singing along from your homes before and after the online sermon. But did you know that another way is to follow our playlists on Spotify? You can find basic songs for the next decade and uh, ARPC, songs we sing. Now, if you click follow this week, then there will be more of us singing to one another. I remember my high school classmate compiling love songs from different albums and recording them all in one cassette tape as a gift to his girlfriend. It's his way of singing the love songs to her. When you and I follow and share playlists, you and I are singing to one another. Likewise, though we cannot meet face-to-face, -face, we can still teach and admonish one another by sharing our YouTube channel or audio podcasts to one another. That God's Word may dwell in us 
and that while we are away from each other in the body, we are somehow brought to unity in the spirit. Our new identity follows that we have a new playlist. We listen now to God's word. We sing now songs that sing of him. And finally, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, we take on the ambassadorial role for the Lord Jesus. Everything we do, in word, in posts, in video, in photos, in song, in the way we drive, in the work we do, in what we shop, in everything we are to do in the name of the Lord Jesus because our new identity calls for us to put out everything in the name of the Lord. Whatever we put out is for His glory. Our new identity in Christ calls for us to put on, put up, and put out. Put on new wear, new attitudes, new virtues. To put up with one another, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, putting on love, and to put out a new undertaking, doing all things no longer in our own names, but in the name of our Lord Jesus. I pray this message will challenge you to put off what needs to be put off and put on the new wear. Put up with one another and put out for the Lord Jesus. Let us now receive the benediction. May the Lord enable you to devote yourselves in prayer, being watchful and thankful. May He enable you to be wise in the way you act towards those who have yet to know Jesus, making the most of every opportunity. And may your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone. Grace be with you all. Amen.